0: Happy Friday, everyone, and happy birthday to you, Pastor John, and happy birthday to the Ask Pastor John podcast. (laughs) Today, the podcast (laughs) turns six, and uh, Pastor John turns 73, milestones everywhere, and uh, today we're turning our attention to marriage. We've been talking about Bible questions up until this point uh, in the new year. We transition now and uh, turn our attention to marriage. It's a question from a listener named Emily that comes into us. She writes this, Hello, Pastor John, my husband and I have been married for almost seven years, and we have small children. We both love the Lord and have recently become convicted by how our marriage has fallen in our priorities, losing out to work, keeping up with the details of life, and trying to muddle through parenting. In the spirit of New Year's resolutions, could you give us some practical advice and wisdom on how to keep our marriage the number one earthly relationship and restore it to its due place of prominence in our lives?
1: Forgive me, Emily, if I make things a little more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) I love the question, how do you restore marriage to its due place of prominence in our lives? I'm not quite as happy with the question, how do we keep our marriage the number one earthly? And I know it's earthly. Relationship. She's not competing with God here. Mm-hmm. The number one earthly relationship. Is marriage the number one earthly relationship? What gives me pause about saying yes is that Jesus is clear that marriage is not going to be an eternal relationship. Matthew 22, 30. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. While the family relationship among true believers is eternal. Through faith in Christ, God makes us children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That never, ever comes to an end. Mm -hmm. So relationship with fellow Christians as brothers and sisters is eternal. Relationship with husband or wife is not eternal. So is marriage the number one relationship? Now, I haven't answered the question yet. I'm just saying here's some stuff to consider. It's not an easy question. Consider this. In Titus two, three to five, Paul says older women in the church, older women are to train the younger women to love their husbands, etc. So the relationship in the church of older women to younger women is a kind has a kind of primacy because the teaching is flowing from the Christian community toward the marriage relationship. Hmm. However, on the other hand, Paul says that the men in the church who serve as elders must manage their own household well, with all dignity, keeping their children submissive. For if someone doesn't know how to manage his household, how will he care for God's church? So here, The marriage seems to have a kind of primacy because it becomes the measure of whether one is fit to lead in the church. In other words, men learn how to love and lead at home or you won't be fit to serve the wider family of God. So is marriage and home the number one earthly relationship? My answer is yes and no forgive me for making things complicated. It depends on how you are measuring it. But however you measure, it is, let's just agree with Emily here, massively important. And Emily's Second question is crucial, namely, how do you restore marriage to its due place, or how do you preserve its due place of prominence in our lives? That's what she's really asking. She doesn't want me to mess it up with complications. That's the right and good question. So let me give six brief bullet-like suggestions. All all of them probably should have a chapter behind them. And I'm speaking uh, to Emily here, but not separate from her husband. So push the pause, (laughs) go get your (laughs) husband. Like Jesus said, go get your husband. If she, if she, if she becomes the leader in these things that I'm going to say now, and he's just drug along, that's not going to work. That's going to unravel in the end. Number one, embed your marriage in the church. And I base that on everything I've just been saying for the last five minutes or so. Don't rest until you have woven your marriage, your lives, into a wider family of mature saints who want to go hard after God with you and make each other's marriages all they can be for God. Number two, read a few solid biblical books on marriage, not fluffy ones with mere pop psychology. And here's my suggestion. Read them out loud together. Sit on the couch and read them out loud together. Take turns reading back and forth, or whoever reads best can just read it out loud. Put the children to bed by seven thirty. If you're objecting, well, we get kids, don't you know we get kids? No, I do know you have kids. It can be done, Harold. Hey, world. Hey, young parents. Children can be put to bed at 730 and they will do it. They will do it. You can make them do it. They'll get used to it. Then you have two hours to do important things like sit on the couch and read and pray together about marriage, not wasted on television. Number three, husband, take responsibility for all of this. Now, taking responsibility doesn't mean doing all that needs to be done to make a marriage what it ought to be. That's not going to work. Rather, taking responsibility means owning the challenge that when something is broken, your calling is not figuring out whether it's her fault. Your calling is to overcome your frustration, your self-pity, your anger, and your withdrawal and do all you can to move things forward and keep on doing this until one of you is dead. You never get a pass on Christ-like burden bearing. That's what headship is. You never get a pass. You never say, I'm sick of this. There's no response to it. No way. No pass. One of you dies, then you're free. This is one of the hardest jobs in the world. That's why God gave it to you, man. Not because she can't do it. Of course she can. But because Christ modeling men want to lift this burden for her. Number four, husband's Plan a weekly date that is at least partly a state of the marriage conversation. Draw her out. Find out what she's seeing and feeling about the state of the marriage. Talk through steps to make things better, better schedule, better discipline of the kids, better sex, better hospitality, better financial stewardship. Talk it through. Bring it up. Draw her out. Once a week, state of the marriage lunch. Number five. Emily, wives, encourage him in every fruitful way in all the efforts of this kind of initiative taking. Find out what energizes his spiritual leadership and invest in it. And finally, number six, pray together every day. Not just the two of you at dinner with the kids, not just at meals or in in a family relationship. Here's the amazing summary of husbands and wives together, according to Peter, 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. God is the key to your marriage and its proper and due place of prominence seek him together
0: amen thank you for the counsel biblical and uh, seasoned with age pastor john and uh, i hope you enjoy that large butterfinger <laughs> blizzard that you're going to enjoy today. <laughs> and uh, six years now, six years for the podcast now, we're entering our seventh year. In that time, we've produced over 1,300 total episodes, including the very first episode which launched on John Piper's 67th birthday back in 2013. Thanks for all your interest and questions over the past six years. You can search all those episodes. You can read full transcripts and uh, send us your own questions all at our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash Ask Pastor John. Well, on Monday, a question about Calvinism comes up, specifically if Romans 9 speaks of the election of the saved in terms of being not of works, why do Calvinists so often speak of reprobation of non-believers based on sinful works? Why make election unconditional and conditional? That's on Monday. Interesting question. I'm your host, Tony Reinke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with longtime author and pastor John Piper. See you then.